Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to Recreate Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. I'm glad to hear it. So if you guys don't know me, I'm Grace. Um, I'm working with the kids ministry for the past few months, and it's been great. Um, I'm a senior at Radford University in elementary. I'm going to take this off so you can understand me better. <laughs> I'm a senior in elementary education, so I graduate in December, and I'm super, super excited to finally be done with school. Yeah, thank you. Um, but I just want to talk to you guys this morning because we need some volunteers for our kids' ministry. There is, we got Debbie Brady, but we need more. <laughs> There's myself, Alexis, and Cameron, uh, who do it regularly, and three people every single Sunday is just not sustainable. Um, so I'm going to tell you why I'm so passionate about kids' ministry, and I'm praying that the Lord will move your hearts to come and help us. Um, so I watched a video um, over the summer, and it's really just stuck with me. And it was this guy who was talking about um, when he was younger, I think when he was 10 years old, he watched his mom commit suicide or attempt suicide. Uh, she was never successful, but she attempted suicide three or four times. And he watched her do it three or four times at the age of 10. Um, and he didn't know how to process it. He didn't know how to handle it. And he became a children's minister because he became very passionate about the fact that kids need to know Jesus. They need to know, because Satan didn't care that he was 10. He came after him anyways. And so these kids need to know how to fight. These kids need to know that they are loved, that God has a plan for them, that God is faithful, that they can trust God. Um, and I'm in fifth grade this year. Y'all pray for me, because fifth grade is hard. It's not like kindergarten, which is where I was last year. Um, but being in fifth grade is crazy, because these, you know, they're 10 and 11-year-olds, but they are facing some scary stuff at 10 and 11. I can't go into details because I would probably not graduate. Um, but it's just, it's crazy what they're facing. It's not stuff I had to face when I was in elementary school. These are kids dealing with, oh, I'm going to cry, really adult problems. And these kids need to know that Jesus loves them. They need friends that will tell them that Jesus loves them. And so that's what we're doing back there. We have a bunch of three-year-olds, and, you know, they're probably not going to remember all of our Bible stories, but I hope that as they grow up, they remember that they are loved, and they remember that God loves them and has a plan for them. But the truth is, is that if we don't get more help, we can't keep doing it. I can't keep doing it every single Sunday. Alexis and Cameron shouldn't have to do it every single Sunday. They're 13 and 15, and they are incredible. Don't get me wrong, but we need some help. So I pray that the Lord will move you to coming back and help us. We have applications right there on that table. On our sign-in table, they're also online. Um, my husband told me that I should tell you what you're signing up to do before you sign up to do it. So if you want to teach, um, I will write your lesson plan for you. I'll get all your materials prepped for you. Everything will be on the counter. You just got to walk in and do it not no outside commitment you have to show up for an hour on Sunday and if you'll clean up the toys a little bit so when I come in and sanitize it's easier that'd be wonderful if you're a helper we just need you to sit in the classroom and just help with the kids don't let them beat each other in the head of the trucks you know it's not not bad um, so there's a place for everyone if we could get 10 people to sign up that's three people per Sunday three Sundays of the month you only have to do it once and it'd be super helpful so Thank you, guys.
I looked, and there before me was a throne in heaven, with someone sitting on it. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass, like crystal. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, and they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of millions of angels. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Good morning, folks. So glad to see each of you guys here. And uh, so thankful for grace. Grace that comes from God and also Grace Dowdy um, does such a fantastic job. I, I can't say enough. And, and uh, she mentioned those applications to help. They're right on that desk. You literally, literally have to pass them on the way out. And uh, also you can go to our website, re, um, recreatechurch.org, and click on the Kids Ministry tab, and it'll, there's a link there. You can do it all online. Pretty cool. So today you showed up at a kind of amazing moment. Today we are wrapping up our study of the end times. With the world becoming more and more chaotic every day, 
people are wondering, is the tribulation period about to start? You know, what is going on here? Are we moving towards some sort of finale? Is there an end game on the horizon? This is the end game series. And yes, I totally stole that from the Avengers. But the Avengers stole it from the game of chess. The end game of chess is the, the last part where the winner is determined. And let me tell you something about the end game that is coming. The winner has been determined from before the foundations of the earth. Today is the 12th and final message in the series, and if you've missed any of those, you can go pick them up on YouTube. All our messages are on YouTube, and uh, our podcast is just about anywhere you can stream audio. You might already have something like iHeartRadio or Pandora. It's on there. Just look up Recreate Church. We're there, and you can pick up all this. I'm a big fan of podcasts because I can listen to them while I travel. Um, sometimes when I'm at my day job, I can have my earbuds in, or if I'm working around the house or doing something, I can be listening to the podcast, and that kind of catches me up, and I try to go back and listen to all our podcasts, just, you know how terrible it is to hear your own voice, you know that feeling? I do that every week, because I love you, <laughs> because I want to be at the top of my game for you guys, so it's, uh, uh, it's not a lot of fun to do that, but I try to do my best for you. So, um, <laughs> 12 weeks is a long time to talk about any one subject, but it's only been enough to scratch the surface of the main truths of the end times. It almost seems like we're living in the end times right now. This whole series was prompted by the number of people asking me, with all of the wild stuff happening, does this mean the tribulation period's about to come? Well, as I understand it, the storm clouds are on the horizon. Even now, we see the storm coming, and it will come. It's only a matter of time, but the good news is there's time to escape. And with all my heart, I want you to know that the Lord doesn't want anybody to go through any of those terrible things that are prophesied in the book of Revelation and elsewhere. He wants everyone to escape. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die for us, so we will not have to go through the worst of the days to come. So, as I understand it, the next event on the prophetic calendar is the revelation, the, I'm going to get the word right, the rapture of the church, the rapture of the church. And I know that there's some controversy surrounding that, and I'd be glad to talk to anybody uh, that wants to understand a little better where I'm coming from. But uh, as I read in the, in the scriptures, Jesus will call the believers up to meet him in the air. The scriptures say the dead in Christ will rise, will be raised out of the graves, remade, and joined with their spirits. Bodies perfected, not like they were, not having succumbed to old age or, or illness or accident, but remade and joined with their spirits that are already in heaven. And those who are alive at the time will be taken to heaven without ever dying. That sounds pretty awesome to me. I'm sure you've had some loved ones who've, who've passed and you've seen them get sick and the, the difficulties of the end of life. Man, it'd be nice to not have to go through that. Just go on to heaven and be with the Lord. The movies make it kind of look like the rapture is the thing that starts the tribulation period. That's not actually how it works in the scriptures, though. 
in the scriptures, we read about a leader who will rise up and do what has seemed impossible throughout human history. He will appear to make peace in the Middle East. Peace in the Middle East. That, that sounds impossible to us. It sounds like a dream that will never come true. But somebody will come along and will appear at first to make peace in the Middle East. And he'll rise up and be this great leader and kind of become the main leader on the whole planet. But it will be revealed that he's also the most horrible, terrible tyrant who will ever have lived. We know him by the name the Antichrist. The scriptures call him lots of names, but that's the one we know most. He will be the devil's false messiah. That peace treaty that he brokers will kick off the seven years of the tribulation period. And that's the part people think of most. When, when you say end times, people say tribula- think tribulation period. But that's really only part of it. This is the, the time of the, the wild judgments and cataclysmic events and Stuff turning to blood and hail and fire and all the brimstone. It's all, it's going to be a bad time. You do not want to be there for that. It's going to be terrible. That will last for seven years. The good news in the midst of the fiery trial is many people will turn to the Lord. I mean, what would you do if you saw prophecy being fulfilled all around you? If life is getting this difficult all the time, it would cause someone to rethink their priorities. Go home and rethink your life. And come to Jesus. It only makes sense. At the end of the tribulation period, Jesus will return. This time, not as a suffering Savior, but as a conquering King. And He'll defeat the Antichrist and all the allies of the Antichrist. And He will set up a kingdom on earth. And we tell He'll reign for a thousand years of peace and prosperity. You ever read about the Garden of Eden? How nice that was? As I understand it, the world will be restored to something like the Garden of Eden to where there will be peace and prosperity and for a thousand years. Guess what else? For a thousand years, the devil will be locked up. He'll be locked up and there will be generation after generation born who will never know what it's like to be tempted by the devil. That'd be nice. Do you know what it's like to be tempted by the devil? Yeah. You know, it's like what? Like 10, it's like, 1020 right now and the devil's probably already been working on you already the devil seems to get up awfully early doesn't he he's been doing this a long long time so after the thousand years is up the devil will be turned loose for a while because there are all these people who've never known what it's like to be tempted never really had a meaningful choice between good or evil and unfortunately many of them will choose evil at that time and uh, and join the devil's side that's that's terrible after a thousand years of peace and prosperity And then, man, people can have it so good. We have it so good so much of the time. And the devil can mess it up with temptation. And that will happen. The rebellion of Satan will be crushed very quickly and everyone who was with him will go down with him. Then then will be that final judgment day. That judgment day. And uh, not like the Terminator movie judgment day. It'll be a lot more dramatic than that. Um, At the judgment day... All those who have trusted in their own righteousness will appear before the great white throne. You see, we really ultimately have the choice of trusting in our own righteousness or trusting in the righteousness of Christ. If we trust in our own righteousness, we're really in trouble. That's a test we can't pass. 
None are righteous, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If we are judged based on our own righteousness, there is no hope for us. Good news. Jesus is our hope if we'll trust his righteousness instead of our own. But on that day, those who have trusted in their own righteousness, will it's all going to be proven to be worth nothing. It'll be as filthy rags and they'll be consigned to the lake of fire with the devil and the Antichrist. Boy, that is heavy stuff. I take no joy in talking about that sort of thing. And I do want to emphasize again and again and again so the whole world will hear. That's not what we want for anybody. And that is not what the Lord wants for anybody. He wanted so very much for people to be set free of their sin that he sent his one and only son to die a horrible death on the cross. Even though he never did anything wrong, never deserved any of it, Jesus took our penalty. If only we'll trust in him and not in ourselves. See here at Recreate Church, our, our heart, our identity is helping people find Jesus. That's who we are. It's what we do. We are, if you, if you look in our brochure, you look on our website, or if you just kind of stand still and listen to me talk long enough, you'll hear that uh, Recreate Church is a community of life and love with the mission of leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's who we are. That's our DNA. That's what we stand for. That goes through our veins every day. We want you to find Jesus. Why? Not because we want something from you, but because we want something for you. We want you to have peace and hope and life in eternity, yes, but right here and right now as well. So after the final judgment, it gets a lot better. That's nice, right? You know, we get through the bad part. After the final judgment, the Lord's going to renew the heavens and the earth, and this vast city is going to descend out of heaven to earth. I'm a country boy at heart, but this city, I think, will win me over. It's going to be so huge that if you were to set it on the continental United States, it would cover most of it. And it's so tall that it extends well into what we would call outer space now. But I don't think those sorts of boundaries will matter nearly as much in those days. Um, John recorded the vision, John the Apostle. And this city was so beautiful that he could only really compare it to gemstones. He said it's like it's made out of precious gemstones. All of it. So there we are. That was a roller coaster, right? We've got up to the New Jerusalem, and we're finally down to the last message in this series. We're going to attempt something today that is very ambitious. We're going to try to tackle the whole last chapter of the Bible in one message. So we won't get to get every little detail, but I think we're going to get most of it. We're in Revelation 22. If you've got a Bible with you, you can pull out your device. You're 100% welcome to use your device to, your device to engage with the message. You know, probably not to... You know, play Candy Crush or whatever is your thing. So um, this is the happily ever after part. This is the good part. This is the Magic Kingdom part. I kind of have the, the Disney World background up there. So we're going to break it down, take it about at a time. So I, I'll read for us and then I'll stop and pray. Revelation 22.1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, 
but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They will see his face, and his name shall be written on their foreheads. Oh, Father in heaven, I pray in Jesus' name that in this moment you would speak to us about this future that you have for us. And may this happily ever after that is coming give us strength and courage to live through the difficult days we're in now and to live for the next world and not for this one. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Apostle John gets a glimpse inside this new Jerusalem, the place we're going to spend eternity, and the first thing he notices is a river. If I was there, that's probably the first thing I would notice too. Cities, uh, I'm not crazy about cities, but rivers. Man, we, we were, I was, you know... I was born on the bayou, not really, but, I, you know, not really. David might have been. I'm not, he's down from Louisiana, but I love rivers, love rivers. Any other people who just love being in a place where there's water, love water, you know, creeks. When I was a little kid, we had a creek in our yard. I didn't need any toys. I had some toys, but I didn't need them. I had a creek I could be in. Creeks, rivers, ponds. Lakes, not as much. Oceans, not as much. I'll let you have the lakes and the oceans, but the creeks and the rivers and the ponds, I will take. I love, love being at the river. We, we grew up on the river. It was a fantastic place. Now, this river, we're not specifically told that we will get to swim or fish or canoe in this river. But we're not specifically told that we won't get to. So I'm kind of holding out for some hope of being able to spend some time on this river. Um, I was hoping Don would be here. I was going to say, man, what kind of trout would be in that river? Don's a big trout fisherman. Some of you guys are fishermen. Dad, I don't know what kind of catfish are in that river. I don't know. I don't know. Dad's a catfish expert. We might get to be there. We might get to be Might get to do something in the river. I don't know. I'll tell you this. We won't feel like anything's missing. There won't be anything missing. It won't be like, hey, man, this place is great, except if we could just go fishing. No, you won't feel like anything's missing, and there'll be plenty to do. This river isn't a normal river. It is made of the water of life, and it proceeds out of the throne of God. And uh, Elijah, if you could skip back to like... Verse 1, please, if you could roll back to verse 1. It's made of the water of life. Water is one of the most universal symbols of salvation and renewal and refreshment. And Jesus told the woman at the well she had come to get physical water. He told her about a better water, a water that would be springing up into eternal life. And in a very physical way, this river of the water of life will be flowing through the city of God. I mean, it's such a beautiful image. I'm proceeding forward to verse 2. It says the tree of life will be there, and it's described as growing all around, all around the street, all around the river, one single tree. How's that going to work? Well, even on our planet, we have huge forests of trees that are connected by the roots that are technically the same organism. Maybe it'll be something like that. We've seen the tree of life before, though, right? Verse 2. Yeah, the Garden of Eden. That's where the tree of life was. That was the tree they could eat of. That was the good tree. And apparently, it's still there, assuming it's the same tree. Same tree. And it's going to produce 12 different kinds of fruit. Fruit salad all from one tree. Not bad. 
and even its leaves have healing powers. Verse 4, or verse 3 says there'll be no more curse. You know this planet has been cursed by sin? I mean, we can see that, can't we? We look around the world and we see all the ugliness and all the evil. Imagine a day where all of that is completely gone and the last stain of sin is completely washed away. We'll get to see that. Verse 4 tells us that uh, we'll see the face of God and His name will be written on us. And I believe I'll put in there 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Can you pull that up? 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Is that in there? Go back one. For now we see in a mirror dimly, or as the KJV says, we see in a glass darkly. We see in a, like a darkened mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. Imagine getting to see God face to face. To, to see and know God as fully as he sees and knows you. I don't have a category for that. I don't have a shelf for that in my brain to make sense of what that will be like. But it sounds good. He says he has his name written on us. Name written on. That's, that's so. You know what that makes me think of? I guess, I guess I had kids at the right time. It makes me think of Toy Story where... Uh, Woody the cowboy had Andy's name written on his foot, okay? And that was like a big deal. That was his identity, and it showed that he, he belonged to someone, that he was part of that family. Well, God's going to have his name written on us. Maybe in a literal sense, I, I don't know. But his name is, is written on the believers to show that not just that we belong to him, but that we are under his protection, that we're under his care forever. The God of the universe says, you got a friend in me. I'm not going to start singing the song. I'll leave that for you. There goes Elijah over there singing. So, um, Verse 5. We're going to catch verse 5. I just want to talk about verse 5 very briefly. Verse 5 reminds us that there will be no darkness in this place. It will be a very different kind of place. Uh, the Lord will be the light and uh, we'll reign with him. Verse 6 says, uh, then he said to me, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord of God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Here, we're being reminded that these words are true, and it's important that we understand them and apply them. See, it is not enough just to know interesting facts about the end times. I've been asked many times to do studies on the book of Revelation because it's, it's interesting, right? It is very interesting. A lot of crazy things happen. People want to know what's going on, but it is not enough for us to simply know a list of things that's going to happen. We need to allow this knowledge to change our lives. The central theme of the whole study on the end times is if we know that the universe as we understand it is coming to a conclusion, that should change the way we live now, right? Simply having knowledge about the Bible doesn't necessarily change your life on its own. It's when you apply it. There's lots of people who can quote the Bible who don't live the Bible. We want to be people who can do both. Understand the Scriptures and apply the Scriptures and let it change us and make us into something new. Change us into people who do not live for the culture around us, but live for the world that is to come and eternity. 
So verse 8, please. Verse 8 says, Now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. John was so overwhelmed by what he had seen and he heard, he just he fell down to the angel and started worshiping the angel who had had guided him through this vision. And the angel immediately says, whoa, get up, don't do that. Do not worship me. I'm a fellow servant. See, that's what angels are. They're fellow servants. The book of Hebrews say they're ministers who minister to us. I know some people have those guardian angel like things around and like the little clip above their visor, guardian angel. Um, I don't know if those work. I mean, I've seen the way some folks drive. I hope it's not y'all, but they need somebody watching over them, okay? You know, we've had many, many times where I've thought so much about the, like the bumper stickers and stuff um, for the cars that say Recreate Church. Then I'm like, if y'all put one of these on your car, you, you're going to have to drive like you know Jesus, not drive like you're trying to get to him in a hurry. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of like the main reason we've never gotten like decals is because do you, honestly, do you really want that accountability? Because, you know, this is a small town. If you do something ugly and people see your Recreate Church decal on the back of your car, I'll find out about it. I'll find out about it. Like I tell my kids, I don't know everybody in this town, but I know enough people that if you're... I, he, yeah, my son says I know too many. If you if they if they're acting the fool, I will hear. So so I don't know. <laughs> that also holds me to a lot of accountability. I've been driving the same car for like thirteen years, so everybody knows that what I'm driving anyway. So it's kind of accountability. So uh, where did I get to here, John? <laughs> John was just overwhelmed, but he said. He was overwhelmed, and he fell down to worship this angel. The angel said, do not worship me. Worship God. We are not supposed to worship angels. And if angels, who are so powerful and so impressive, are not to be worshipped, then no other created thing is to be worshipped. Anytime we revere something other than the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, we are getting off of the path of wisdom. We are actually getting way, we're getting in deep, deep trouble. You'll notice any false system you encounter will raise something else up to rival Jesus. Even if they talk about Jesus, they'll raise something else up with Jesus, you know, to revere an angel or revere some uh, leader or uh, revere the saints or to um, revere um, the self or something else. And the world in which we live, it seems like the talking heads on TV are the ones that get revered. You ever get tired of that? Like, man, I know we live in a world where we have to have things like people to give us the news and political leaders, but whew, I get so tired of, of these talking heads being lifted up and almost worshipped. Anytime we act like something besides God has all the answers, we are in trouble. So verse 10, and he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who was unjust, let him be unjust still. He who was filthy, let him be filthy still. He who was righteous, let him be righteous still. He who was holy, let him be holy still. 
And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they might have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates of the city. Debbie's feeling it today. I like it. That's good stuff. You're good, buddy. I like it. So, he said, uh, the time of the prophecy is at hand. You see, there's nothing holding back the end times except for God saying go. So, what are we waiting on? There's that warning there. I believe it's verse, uh, if you'll pull up verse 11, please. Talks about, at some point, it's too late to make a change. He said, who? Whoever is unjust, let him be unjust still. Someday it will be too late. The clock is ticking. And I cannot say that plainly enough. There's not always, verse 11 please, verse 11. There's not always going to be time. I know of deathbed confessions. That's a real thing. The thief on the cross, remember him? He was right there just about to be executed, and he turned to Jesus, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I believe that. However, I wouldn't leave it that late, because deathbed confession might not be such a thing as, as you can have. Um, you can be unconscious, or you can die quickly, and all sorts of things. The clock is ticking. Jesus said he's the Alpha and the Omega. Everything starts with him. Everything ends with him, and the only way in is Him. He's the way. He's the door. It only makes sense to trust him. Verse 15 covers a little heavier subject here again. We kind of get this reminder that, that not everyone is going to be a part of this. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. Well, that's a sobering reminder. This verse eliminates the possibility of what is called universalism. Universalism is more or less the idea that, that all roads go to heaven and that everybody ends up in some positive version of the afterlife one way or the other. And it sounds very nice, it sounds very inclusive, but it's, it doesn't at all line up with the truth of the Scripture. I mean, we can say all day that we believe something wonderful is going to happen. I mean, you can convince yourself, you can tell yourself all day that you're going to leave here and buy a scratcher and win the lotto. Don't do that. That's a bad idea. But just saying it's true doesn't make it true. You know, I can say that I'm going to walk out this door 40 pounds lighter, but unless one of y'all cuts off my leg, it's probably not going to happen. And I didn't see any chainsaws come in the door this morning. So as much as folks might like to say that all roads lead to heaven, that doesn't actually make it true. You can say anything. It doesn't line up. You see, there will be some people who opt themselves out of what God is offering. The Lord offers salvation to all, but he allows us to choose. And somebody will say, well, what about election and, and predestination? Okay, God knows, but we don't. God knows what we'll choose, but we don't know. From our point of view, we choose him. From his point of view, he chooses us. Who's right? Both. And it's both true. It's one of those things that we don't quite have a handle on. But the fact of the matter is, some people will choose not to believe. Will choose to reject what God has given. Those who choose to cling to their sin instead of turning to Jesus will be separated from God for eternity. Let me say again, for I believe the, the third time in this message, that's not what God wants. That's not what God wants. 
And let me clarify that these folks aren't simply being excluded because they've sinned. If just sinning means you will not get to go and be a part of eternity, we're all in trouble because we've all sinned. Nobody's righteous. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We, if we're judged by our own merit, it just won't happen. We're in trouble. It's not simply being a sinner and having sinned. It's refusing to repent and seek Jesus. Being saved does not mean that your life is perfect, but it does mean you should be pursuing something different. You should be becoming something different. It means you want to be something different. It doesn't mean that you won't sin, but it does mean that you won't love your sin. See, there's a big difference there between, you know, sinning and being like, ah, man, why do I do this? Why am I like this? I don't want it to be this way. I want to change. God, please help me. And sinning and being like, man, this is good. I do not want to change unless I have to. That's a huge, huge difference. So if you're sitting here today, if you're listening to this later on, and your struggle is you got a sin in your life you're struggling with, and you're like, man, I wish this would go away. I pray and I'm working. Guess what? The fact that you're struggling is a good thing. That means you want it to be different. That is evidence that God is working in your life, that there's something going on. Because if you weren't struggling against it, that means it's got you completely. The devil only has to fight you when you're trying to get away. So there's your good news for the moment. (laughs) It should mean being saved means you're pursuing a transformed life through Jesus, even if you sometimes fail. So verse 16, I have sent Jesus, uh, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. I like that. I think there's a song like that, isn't there? We have to work that one in. So Jesus sent an angel with news of hope. Uh, In the most basic sense, an angel is a messenger. A messenger doesn't necessarily have to be supernatural. Folks, I... I'm no angel, but I'm a messenger. Maybe you're not an angel, except for Bobby over there. He's just an angel. He knows. Maybe you're no angel, but you're a messenger. You're a messenger of the good news. You're a messenger that Jesus loves people. So are you being a messenger? One thing I love about Lucy here in the front row, you can't get away from Lucy. She's going to talk to you about Jesus. If you get anywhere near Lucy, that's because Jesus has done so much for you. Did y'all hear Lucy's testimony a few weeks ago? If you didn't catch that, you need to go on YouTube and catch that or go on the podcast and catch that. Lucy and David talked about what God has done in their lives. And you know what? If you, if you think about what God has done for you, you won't be able to shut up about him either. It's a wonderful thing. I've seen too much to be quiet about my Jesus. Find a fly. Some of y'all pray that fly away, would you? I don't know if that works, but we're going to try it. So, um, yeah, we need to tell people to be ready. So let's go to verse 18. We're going to kind of almost wrap this thing up. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. 
He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So these last few verses of Revelation 22 kind of serve as um, a conclusion for the whole Bible. We, we have this warning, don't add to the Word, don't take away from the Word. And it's very serious here. I mean, if you read anything about the book of Revelation, you, you don't want these plagues added to you, and you certainly don't want your name removed from the book of life. So, here's the message for us especially if you would identify yourself as a Christian, as a believer, as someone who thinks the Bible's true. We can't pick and choose which parts of the Bible we want to believe and take seriously. Um, the Bible represents the whole truth. Some of it is very difficult. Difficult to, difficult to understand, difficult to accept. Some of it, from our point of view on earth, we have a hard time reconciling it. There are Apparent contradictions. Not real contradictions, but apparent contradictions. It's going to take some work to understand what the Bible says and means. But I will promise you this, from experience, I can tell you, if you really want to understand what the Bible means, and you're willing to pray and study and seek the Lord and rely on the Holy Spirit, you can understand it better than you think. A lot better than you think. And you don't have to have any theological degrees. The Holy Spirit's a pretty amazing teacher. You know, find you somebody who you look up to in the Lord and you need to ask questions, you ask questions and get clarifications. I've got the degrees and stuff, but most of what I know about the Word of God was me and the Bible and the Holy Spirit and studying out. <laughs> One good thing about being a preacher is you've got to stand up every week and know what in the world you're talking about, so it puts a lot of pressure on me to, to study, and that's, that's good. So uh, uh, even if you're not a preacher and not going to be leading a Bible study, you are supposed to be teaching yourself every day, feeding yourself every day as you go. Now, here's one thing you will discover as you read and study the Bible. We always think of other people as being the ones who don't take the Bible seriously. Other people as the ones who are misinterpreting it. But you know what you'll find? You'll find there's some stuff in there that we might ought to take a little more seriously too. You know, I grew up in a church where they taught the Bible and, you know, lifted the Bible up. But then I mean, I'm like, hey, there's some things that we miss too. You know, I've had to go back and, and understand there's some things. That, hey, we need to practice this a little better. There's, there's a lot to learn. Revelation 22, 20. Elijah, if you'll pull that up, 22, 20, verse 20 there. Nope, go back, go back. This is one of my most favorite verses in the whole Bible. This was, for years, the little scripture reference I would jot down under my signature. Not that anybody was asking for my signature, except for people who wanted me to sign a check. But, uh, you know, that's what I would write when I signed my name to a note or a letter or a card. I don't need a Michael Shockley. Revelation 20 to 20. Um, it says, he who testifies these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Uh, I like that. That's good stuff. Did you know Jesus is coming back? Did you know he's coming quickly? Well, what's quickly mean? It's been a while since he said this. Quickly means there's nothing in the way. There's nothing in the way but the word from God to go. 
That's it. We're not waiting on anything else. So it could be any time now. It could be any time now. So here's your good news. Whatever's going on in your life, don't lose hope because he's coming. He's coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. You got something going on in your life that you don't know how much longer you can stand? Good news. He's coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's what I want to say with John. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. When I see the crazy stuff going on in the world, I say, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. You know, when, when I got things going on in my heart and my life that I know shouldn't be, I say, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And will you say it with me now? We look around the world and we look in our hearts and we say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Now, I've saved one more verse. You've probably uh, paid attention and caught that, and I think Elijah has kind of hinted at that. Verse 17, we skipped. We're going to go back to that because this is your invitation. Revelation 22, 17 says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come, and whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely the holy spirit says come to jesus the the bride which is a metaphorical way of speaking of the church the church says come to jesus all those who are thirsty should come those who hear the message say come to jesus the water is of life is available to those who will come to jesus i got one more verse for you to wrap this whole thing up and it's not in Revelation. It is Romans 8, 18. And you can just leave it right there, Elijah. For I consider the suffering, that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's good news. In this present world, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be frustrating. And I just bet if you and I sat down one-on-one, -on -one, you could tell me all kinds of things that are bothering and stressing you, and, and I could probably unload some stuff to you too. That's the nature of this world. It feels harder than ever to live for God and live for the values of the Bible. But, though we might suffer on this earth, it's worth it. The Scriptures say it's not even worthy to be compared. The sufferings we face aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that is to come. This whole story on the end times should show us how living for Jesus is worth it. I'm not going to try to sing this week. I kind of botched it last week. But I do want to quote a song to you. On those days when the world seems to be so wild, and we wonder if the end times are upon us, these words are comfort to me. The song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. We're going to take some time to pray here at the end of this service. Because you've got some stuff of this earth. The things of earth that you need to grow dim right now. That, that need to fade and let Jesus take over. So let's just pray, Heavenly Father. It's been a long journey to come to this point. The end of Your Word. And we need it. Because in this world we have so much trouble. And there's so much that hurts us and frustrates us. And, and 
And we know it's wrong and we feel so powerless to change it. God, may the face of Jesus fill up our vision. May the light of His glory and grace consume all that we are. Almighty God, I pray for everyone who's listening to this that You might work in their hearts. You know what's going on. You know what needs to happen. You know what needs to change. Lord, if hope is needed, send hope. If peace is needed, send peace. If the will to repent is needed, God, send repentance. We pray for renewal. We pray for courage. We pray for endurance in these days of tribulation. And most of all, we give You the glory because the victory is yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. I'm so glad you've been here for a part of this. I don't know what series comes next, but I'm excited for it. You guys pray for it too. I'm going to send you out with that. Elijah, if you will start the, uh, the end of the service roll there. God bless you guys. Be safe and take care. We'll catch you next time.